Greetings, Kapla, and welcome everyone to our fan cast, where an adventurous rocket scientist, a Star Trek girl, and a sci-fi wingnut take an away team excursion from the Star Trek series Strange New Worlds and talk about the finale season of Star Trek Picard. We are super excited to geek out and talk about the show, so let's gear up, assume our stations, and hit it. I'm playing the part of Zephram Cochran on this episode's of Strange New Worlds Fancast. My name is SP. Joining me is a very distraught and crushed Captain Bubbles, who is mourning the loss of her dear Laris in the recently destroyed strike. What do you mean loss? Hi, guys. Don't say that. She was on board. Vatic went to go get her to lure Picard in, and then they exploded the strike without knowing that she was in there. This is sci-fi. I didn't see her die. She's not dead. No, no, no. You're going to find out in the later, like, Ocean's Eleven type recap that Riker and um, Troy knew she was there and left her there to make sure that Picard went back to crush her. Bitches. Okay. All right. By the way, you just heard him also joining us fresh from his emergency meeting with Starfleet Mental Health Section 35 department heads to help explain... What the fuck is going on with Jack Crusher is Commander Klinger. We'll call him our friend Jake. Why, thank you. How'd that meeting go? Did you figure out what's going on with Jack Crusher? Did we figure it out? No. In fact, we left a cliffhanger at the end. Mm. Just a little bit closer. What we're talking about is Picard Season 3, Episode 8, Surrender. We actually... Named a lot of stuff, right? You guys ready to hear everything we got right so far? That's my favorite part. Okay, here we go. So talk about some projects. We had the Shrike, right? Shannon, you were talking about the Shrike. We found out a lot more about the Shrike, the badass villain ship out there. Vatic? Yeah, Vatic. I know she's meant to be a bad guy, but she's pretty freaking cool. I like how she just giggles and laughs. So we didn't actually get a lot of Vatic. Look, I still think she looked just having her sit there smoking her cigarillo on the bridge, having fun watching the other side squirm. I think that's great. I'm waiting for the time that some of the TNG crew is going to board her ship and take over. But whatever's happening, Jack, it's in Jack's head. So I don't know how it got into Jack's head. Maybe Jack's not human. There still could be something interesting with how Jack came to be. Why do you think he was dreaming of killing the bridge crew? I don't know. He's thinking about killing everybody. I think that he is being torn apart by two things. That sucks, actually. Giving Lord command of anything is going to suck. Oh, the Shrike is coming back. But I think for me, my favorite moment of this episode was the facial expressions that Brent Spiner had. He nailed the facial expressions perfectly of just like he would always have. He would, I, I can't explain it. It was just, you could just tell when he would go from one 
from lore to before to data. You can just tell, I mean, just, I thought that was a marvelous job that he did. And the fact that you actually have a schizophrenic Android, I'm finding that enjoyable as well. All right. How is Picard's body a weapon? What do they need that body for? They need the DNA. So Jack has determined to have a Romanic syndrome. I can't say it correctly. It's pronounced and spelled two different ways. Anyway, it's the same disease that John Luke had and ultimately really died from when it comes down to it. So Jack has this inherited from his father as well. Maybe it has something to do with that. I think something has been embedded in his DNA. Some kind of weapon that they are trying to track down and don't really care about him. They want what's been given to him. So you've got Data, who's the analytical side, and you have Lore, who's the emotional side, and they're worried about pulling down the partition. Get separated. I think they're going to. I think they're going to finally, what you're going to have is Lore finally gets enough control from the Data side, and Data gets enough emotion from the Lore side that you actually finally have something close to you. I can see that. I mean, there's always airlocks. You're not necessarily left with a dead body. Plus, as you as you said, there are airlocks and space, as they say, is big. Let's drop one off here, drop one off there. You never find him. You got Worf and Raffi still not out there. That, but but if uh, they brought enough of the crew from the Shrike over to the uh, the Titan, you know, you you may get a Riker takeover of the Shrike. That was our previously on for everything that we've said in the last seven episodes that we actually ended up getting right. I can just tell you listening to it, I sound so much like a little kick. Like a little country girl. I mean, I know I am one, but come on. It's like a fire. I have a question, though. Quest. Why destroy the Shrike? Because it's pissed him off enough. I had a problem with why Vatic kept Riker alive after she got the codes. He was useless. Why keep him and Deanna alive. I would have at least brought the body over. See, maybe that there could be at least some possibilities. You could use the possibility because she managed to, we find out, get the codes off of Riker by torturing uh, Troy. So maybe she thought that somewhere along the line, the two of them could be used in, in the same way to influence Picard or somebody else over there because I mean obviously she's has no hesitation to use other people to in torturing and harming other people in order to get somebody else to do something maybe that was where she kept them I mean let me say this now obviously it was a bad idea but (laughs) before it disappears my head listening to ourselves talk a while ago my theory is at the moment I don't think it's what was the word the disease that Picard had? Eromonic syndrome. I don't think it was a disease. The further on we get into Picard, I think it was something that was given to him by the board. Or given him by something previous to Jack getting impregnated. Right. Beverly getting impregnated. I, my opinion, I think something was embedded into Picard whenever he was brought back and, and, and Crusher took all the implants out of him. Even in that episode, she was talking about things were left embedded in his DNA. So if something was still left in him and then they got pregnant, then the DNA that Jack has, Picard has never had these symptoms where his eyes turn red. He can't 
move people like he did well, the ensign. What they took from the body was pieces of his brain, which is probably where the Iramati syndrome or whatever it is was actually located. It's probably a, a good educated guess. If it turns out that it actually is from the Borg, if they don't bring in the fact that Seven is obviously still partially Borg too as well, you know, I, I guess my thought process would be if that's what it is, then why isn't Jack connecting more with Seven? Well, she's like, what are they talking about? Maybe because he's half human. Well, remember the... Well, I guess he's all human, but... Two-parter episode that, Shannon, you refused to watch because of Jellico or Jericho? Jellico, right? Now, I've seen all of them. I just don't like them. Well, that was the... It's four lights. Picard was under captivity. Four <laughs> lights? I found... I have a t-shirt like that. So maybe they injected something into his brain while he was in captivity. I think that what Picard has, I think all along, they somehow... Through TNG, when we thought that that's the disease he had and at the end of all good things, and she's like, you know, a lot can happen in 25 years. I think it's maybe not necessarily a disease. I think it's something that was embedded in him that he, as he's growing older, he thinks it's a disease. I also, you know, we chatted about it a bit before uh, the cast on, on text message, but I still think that we're going to find out that there's something a little bit more with Jack that th I think somebody was playing the long game, because if you think about it, if Jack, if Beverly hadn't run away, you know, Jack would be Federation Starfleet royalty right about now, right? He would have been placed if he had something within him, whether it be a time bomb conditioning something like that because obviously the other thing is it's showing us is that if this does come down to be part of the borg he can control people the way the borg do without them having implants so like the things he did was sitting on the bridge that was more than control than we've ever seen with the borg the only thing i can't figure out and i keep going back to what vatic told him Beverly, oh, I'm that's more control than we've ever seen from the borg to somebody who isn't assimilated you know, he has the ability to control human beings who are not assimilated. Right. But yeah, I still go back to the question, what, what did Vatic mean when she told Beverly he wasn't meant for you? And that's what I mean. That somewhere along the line, he was created and designed with the idea that 20 years later, he'd be positioned to... stay Because if he stayed with royalty, if he, if he stayed with Picard... Exactly. I get you. There's something there. I do think it was something implanted in probably jake the only problem i have with that theory is oftentimes kids don't do what you want them to do and they go off and do something else well yeah they did go off and do something else that's the that's what happened <laughs> right so plans change right you got to girl roll with it right the creative team for this episode by the way before we get too far in it was directed by Deborah Kempmeyer, who did the last episode, she has 14 directing credits starting in 2003, including one episode of Star Trek Disco. That was season four, episode 10, The Galactic Barrier. And last episode of Picard and this episode of Picard. It was written by Matthew Okmura, who has five writing and story editor credits since 2003, including one episode of Smallville, 16 episodes of Leverage Redemption. That was mostly story editor, I believe. 13 episodes of Blood and Treasure. Again, I think that was mostly story editor. And then 15 episodes of Picard, 
which were 15 episodes as story editor and then this episode surrender. So that is the creative team behind this. But you know, even if something was implanted and even if you were like, like you said, that he would have been royalty if he hung around, but that doesn't mean you're going to guarantee that Card and Crusher would have hooked up together. No, not necessarily. But she, I mean, once again, we, if you think of if you had somebody who can do what he can do, that you've got a time period switch on that things would suddenly change, who would be in the position he might be in, or at least has the capability, you know, walking in saying, I'm, I'm Picard's son and having actually been raised in that fashion. Well, maybe we're wrong altogether and something was implanted in Beverly. There's that too. I mean, something. I still think Petri dish could be valid. I don't think that's the case because it has to deal with the Romanic syndrome, which was in both Jean-Luc and now Jack. So I think right. it's in that line based off what we know. Although, who knows? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, how come Picard doesn't have red glowing eyes? Hey, I'm just happy that I finally got one right. <laughs> <laughs> with what they did with Data. You did. That was amazing. The Data lore, you release the partition and you have fun. And I knew what was happening from the beginning, but it was fun oh, to yeah. watch. Yeah, he's just giving, Data is giving Lore all of his memories, and let's go through some of the ones, at least that I remember, and I jotted down, the Tasha Yar's hologram, right? Mm -hmm. That was an excellent callback. Right, and we're probably going to see Denise Spot. in the coming episodes. Spot, right? The cards, he was a really good card player, it turned out to be. If you watch the TNG episodes, you see him evolve as a card player. Well, yeah, but can you imagine a better poker face? <laughs> but no. he was designed not to lie. But it took him but the, the other part was it took him time to read people like Riker who were actually good at playing the game. That's right. And then of course Sherlock's hat and pipe. Did I miss anything? Did you guys see? Nope. Okay. Those were some pretty big memories. I know he was into painting. Something about music, maybe even whistling or something. <laughs> the fact that he could do it, yeah. Well, those were the memories, and as he was giving in the memories, it was great. I watched the writing room, and he was explaining, Brent Spiner, the actor, was explaining how he shot that scene in any scene that he does with somebody else. He's playing somebody else. And in this particular case, what he did is he walked behind the camera and took the place of his stand-in, and they just went back and forth when they were doing the scene. And they had another stand-in just so they could get the eye line right. But it was him, of course, doing the whole thing. And I remember something about his makeup that he wasn't wearing any makeup. He had contacts in, but that was it. Well, yeah, but that's because the new body that they created for him is more organic than doesn't have to what have he's had in the makeup. past. So, so the idea that he, he doesn't have to have that much of a synthetic look anymore. Hence the age portion of it, et cetera. And I know that there's a lot of issues with Brent behind the scenes of playing data. And I just, I don't want to go into that right now. What they've decided to do in this season is they wanted a reunion of all the cast. So they had to figure out a way to bring Brent Spiner back to have that reunion. Right. And they decided to take the next evolution to make him a little bit more human, even though we had already seen him die twice. But if you think about Data's journey, Data's journey to figure out, as he put it, the human experience, this really is, you know, he, all of it. He learned, 
in Nemesis, as bad of a movie as that was, he learned how to sacrifice himself. That that idea of self-sacrifice. In Picard season one, he learned the idea of mortality. This is actually the next kind of step in his, for lack of a better term, evolution of the human experience. He's actually learning what it means to get old. Now, did he do it in the order in which most humans do? No. No, but at least he's doing it. But at the same time, he's learning the human experience. I get where you were coming from with the idea of, you know, how many times do we need to see the same guy die? But at the same time, I kind of get where they were going with this. He's gone full circle now. I think this is actually a good, since we, we know we're coming to the end of this cast and crew, I'm finding that I think that's a good place for Data to go. I like this. It's a good way to go out. Because Data at this point is now going to grow old and die like a human being. One of the things that Brent Spiner said, that Gene's vision with the character, Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, and he was around for the first, I think, couple years of... I think for uh, the fourth season, I think. Of The Next Generation. So he was involved in the inception of the Next Generation crew characters. He was involved in the casting and everything. So he was talking to Gene, and Gene's thought process about the character is, it is an android that's trying to be human but never, as long as the journey goes, never gets there. And I think we've successfully got that because he's not completely human. No. Jordy kept on saying that he's not Android. He's not human. He's something else. Something else. He's more. But once again, we're seeing him come across that journey of the human experience. Correct. But I just wanted to point out that, according to Brent anyway, he has now fulfilled what Gene had wanted. You can't take it any further, I don't think, oh, at no. this point. No, they're done. But at the same time, we know that this is the end. We do. I could tell you... I mean, not necessarily the, you know, all these people are going to die, but as far as the story, the story of these characters is coming to an end. I hope that in the, in the last couple episodes we have, they decide, like, like Troy and Riker were talking about leaving the planet and going back to the city. I hope they all have places to go instead of just like at the end of Star Trek TNG, when they all ended there at the at the poker table, and then the camera just went up. I'm like, no, I want more. I want closure. So let them go someplace. Let them all fly. Let it go back to the point of your honey. Something. I want closure. But I think my favorite part of this episode was watching them sit around the around the table again together. I think that was the most nostalgic thing. I didn't know I needed. Wouldn't it be kind of a kicker in the pants if? They ended that this was one of the universes that dies off, you know, in the multiverse and everything. That at the end of Picard season three, that's it for this universe. And it doesn't go any further. You'll once again have me screaming no. <laughs> right. I think that would be a big not. disservice. But there I is that possibility. Like anything's possible in the multiverse, right? Do you still think Sela's going to come? Sela? Sela? Sela. Sela. You still think she's showing up? I made the prediction. I'm going to stick with it, although I kind of wish we would see her earlier. I said she would be at the end of episode nine. That's what I said earlier. We still need to figure out who the big evil bad who's was, you know, we've only seen his face wrapped in goo at the moment. I actually think it's Sela and that she is using some Cardassian as a go between. That would make sense. Yeah, because. 
Picard, I, it was, was last episode, I was saying that Picard needs Picard enemies, right? The Cardassians, as I, much as I would hate to admit it, they are a Picard enemy. He was captured by them. He was tortured. That was the famous four lights, four lights thing. Yes. The Cardassians are a legit Picard enemy. He's got to have some serious PTSD with that. And in addition to Locutus, I mean, all this happened to one guy. I was thinking about this earlier, by the that's way. That's a lot that happened to him. Everything that's happened with this crew, if it was a normal like military unit, they would have been pulled and disbanded. And then they would have been retired because you just can't keep going like this for any crew. It's just impossible. But they did. And Picard has gone through all this. And the tragedy with his family, too. Picard has had nothing but a tragic life. Correct me if I'm wrong, but even being part of section 35, how many, maybe that's why they finally, you know, we, we've seen all the different iterations and seasons. It wasn't until you hit the next generation that they actually put a therapist on the bridge. <laughs> Somebody right. was mentioning that in social media that this week, that it was amazing in 1987 that they put a mental health counselor on the bridge. And while Deanna is a mental health counselor. I don't think that was the main reason that she was put on the bridge. I think the main reason she was put on the bridge is Picard was given the command of this flagship and he was going to be out doing things on behalf of Starfleet and the Federation. And he needed a trusted agent that he could confide in that would entrust him in his decisions, wouldn't take over for his decisions, but would go with him to be a sounding board if he needed it, in addition to being a mental health counselor for the ship. So I think that's why she was placed on the bridge. But also at the same time, you know, how, how many, usually you have ships that have a medical officer who will also double, or, you know, these days I know um, it's at times in the past, it was also the chaplain who was also there as to some extent, the mental health person. The idea that not just even on the bridge, the fact that you now actually have a counselor specifically on the ship, recognizing the fact that these people are going to be going through stressful, terrible, traumatic things and recognizing the fact that they're going to need this. I think you two are getting too technical. I think it all comes down to you have a cute chick that no longer has a phallus symbol on her head on the bridge, right? You get past a couple seasons, she no longer had the, the dildo on the head, then she could sit on the bridge beside the car and it was okay. Okay. I had never seen that before. So you'd said that, and I was rewatching season oh, yeah, one. I was there. like, oh my gosh, it's that's a- what that is. Alex, so, oh, yes. Yeah. Nasty. So I think you two got too technical. That's why they needed the honey. They just needed her to look better without the. Okay. Phallic symbols aside, though, bringing her back in this episode and the moment that she and Riker have, I have to say, was probably, it was just, was just awesome because anybody it. who's ever been married for long enough has had that moment where you've realized that the two of you have been arguing the same side of the same thing and not communicating and not getting anywhere. Exactly. And then somewhere along the line, you have that moment where you're kind of like, wait a minute, we both wanted the same thing. (laughs) Why didn't you say so? I did like 15 years ago. Yeah. In my house, we call that Wednesday. (laughs) Typical day. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a matter. Yeah, it happens. And not only that, it also brings back her, you know, that Riker has even, you know, called her on it before that she has that slight level of arrogance with her mental abilities that every once in a while she's 
trying too hard to take on too much of it and not recognizing that sometimes people need to grieve on their own. He needs to grieve. And she took that away from him. And she took that away from herself too. And she didn't recognize it, but she came to that conclusion in the cell. I was watching the ready room and Terry Metalis was going through how the couple has progressed. Cause in season one, they had seemed to deal with the death of Thaddeus. But he needed to bring in something to say, okay, what's the next step in their relationship then if they've dealt with it? And then he brought this in specifically to say, yeah, there's more to deal with than you think. Right. Well, Actually. you can see that that's what we're finding out right now. The idea that they had dealt with it was a fallacy. Correct. So it's good that they're going through this. It's bad that they had to go through this on the Shrike in <laughs> prison. Is it bad for me to say I wish I could, they would have shown a little bit of her being tortured? I mean, I don't think she was tortured. I think they only. They, I think it was the threat of it that he just basically threat. gave. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I didn't want to see it hurt, but you know, everyone else is getting punched. As crazy as Vatic is, and as much death and destruction as she wrought on the Titans crew, because she did. That was horrific in the corridors, by the way. I don't think that's her main focus. She realizes that all she wants is to get Picard and to get Jack Crusher. That is her goal. And she doesn't really care about torturing anybody else. If it happens along the way, she'll giggle. But that's why that's the only thing I can think of why she didn't kill Riker. She has an assignment to complete because the good, the bacon face dude gives her the assignment. That's that's (laughs) what I, it's a bacon face. Wait, wait, is, is this the is this the bad guy's new name, Bacon Face? That's what I'm calling him. He looks like raw bacon. bacon Until next face. episode, when we find out who it is, because I think we're going to find out who that is next episode. Eventually, I hope we do. But you know, so many people on Twitter were giving Terry Metalis so much crap about not having Deanna there. But in reality, if you read like some of the interviews they've done, she lives in London. They've shot, they did all the filming in California, so I, it was really just come down to her not being available. She came in at the right time. I like the way they did. Not only that, considering the fact that she's the one who's going to help unravel the mystery as far as Jack. She's going to be the one that figures it out. Get through that freaking door. The timing on this worked. Let me walk you through the door. This is actually one of those episodes that wasn't necessarily the most exciting, but at the same time, probably one of the better written episodes just with regards to humanity, human connection, the dialogue, etc. I would say the characters, without being overly nostalgic, I think they really strove in this episode to bring forward the characters. What number episode was this? Eight. See? Okay, I'm telling you, odd numbers are my favorite. Telling you. But we're even seeing the, um, the, the relationship between Seven and Captain. Shaw. Shaw. I cannot remember. We'll figure out why I cannot remember that man's name. Because we keep calling him Todd Stashwick. I love how she stood up to him and said, I am seven of nine. Well, but we're seeing their relationship. They're finally starting to figure each other out. She's starting to realize that she does actually, in fact, have something to learn from him. And he's starting to figure out that she has things to offer. The two of them are figuring each other out. I, I'm liking the, where their relationship is going as well. I still am amazed at how much I'm liking the Shaw character from where we started. Right. I totally. Do you remember me saying that I thought he was going to be a, a high-ranking redshirt? Well, 
and actually that's the same thing i was about to say i thought he was going to be a throwaway character yeah i knew he wasn't going to be throwaway just because he was todd stashwick but that said you know his fellow actors were throwaway characters like sneed and who was the vulcan that came in the vulcan gangster i can't remember but it was kirk acevedo that played those were two big actors and those got sidelined those were red shirts basically in an episode one episode and then the vulcan on the bridge was a red shirt that sucks so bad yeah no i i liked that character in the hopes that they would continue this uh, story into the titan i was hoping she was going to be there i can appreciate why they did this because tavana that's her name the character's name tavana tavana was symbolic in that we had grown to like her and yet there are real consequences to what to steal a line from captain shaw there are real consequences to what's going on. You can't harm any of the TNG crew. That's like nope. an unwritten rule. Everyone else is red shirt. Yeah. Everybody else is a red shirt. So you have to bring the audience to like the people that you're seeing around the screen to the point where it hurts when you lose them. Tavana was, def- it didn't matter which one of the bridge crew were lost. Tavana was definitely one that everybody enjoyed right and then she was killed and then the people that were killed in the rest of the ship some i think i'd have to go back and check for sure but the vision that jack crusher had when he went on in the hallway i think one of the crew that was laying on the ground was that ensign that was looking out the back of the titan when the shrike first came to them in the nebula pretty sure you're correct she was laying on the floor, not the one with the knife in her chest, but the one that was laying on the floor. I was like, oh, I liked her so much. I wanted to see more of her. I wanted to see more of the bridge crew. And what Terry Metalis is doing here is showing, yeah, this is screwed up. You are losing some of your crew, which is something that I don't think you would have gotten if this was a two-hour movie. We have 10 hours of this. They've got to find a way to close it. They've got to find a way to you got to have deaths in order to move forward. There's got, cause it shows the consequences. Like you're talking about, like, like Beverly was talking about how she wishes it wasn't this situation that brought us all together. Cause I've missed each and every one of you all through the years, but I needed your help. This is what the consequences are. So I'm having those deaths of the other officers that you briefly see, you got to have that consequence. So you can know how important it is to the battle of what they're doing. The one thing I'll say really quick about Shaw saying there are consequences, it actually took me back to the point where I'm not exactly sure what side Shaw is on because I think he's still under the perception maybe he's working for somebody else, sort of. I don't know. Like, okay, you, you did this. Turn on him? I don't know. I hope not. I really hope not. I hope not. And even then, because they talk about his, you know, Incident report afterward, the um, performance review. It's redacted. They're not doing a performance review. That's a board of inquiry, if I understand correctly, if he's actually turns out to be one of the bad guys, not versus a performance review. You know, but if you think about it, a performance review, he's technically at this point in time guilty of mutiny. Yeah. He's mutinying against Starfleet now. Yeah. So there's going, he's going to have to explain himself. Yeah, he took the, to be clear, he's what you're talking about is his decision outside the nebula 
as they're facing the Shrike to run. And he decided to run. At that point in time, he was in violation of whatever. Yeah. Yes. Couple violations. Yeah, and I, as I said, I'm I'm just really enjoying that character. I'm enjoying his perspective. I'm enjoying the the different style of leadership that you've got from him versus what we've seen from people like Riker and Picard in the past. He's got the gravitas to bring off the character. If you take a look at his previous work, it just fits specifically into the way that he's playing the character of Shaw. It's great having him on board. And I'm glad we didn't have a redshirt death within the first couple of episodes, like when he was fixing the the nacelles. Or even in the turbo lift. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad we didn't. I'm glad that he is still with us. Can we talk about the fact that Worf obviously still holds a flame for Troy? <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. I was just about to bring that up. Inappropriate. <laughs> well, you know, it was always brushed over in the TV shows because he goes from uh, by at the end of the next generation, kind of sort of being in a relationship with Troy to that just disappearing. And next thing you know, he's, you know, marrying Jadzia over on and she's Space back with Nine. Riker. And she's back with Riker. So the fact that they actually took that, even just that two seconds to address that in, in his wharf way. <laughs> he had some deep there emotions. He had some time to think about that one. He played it off as a joke, though, in the end. It took him a little bit to get there. And I think he intentionally did it in front of Will to get trying to jab at him a little <laughs> bit. But in the end, it's all good. He's like, okay. Okay. And his go. thing of personal space, personal space. <laughs> I loved how Riker, when they came around the corner and he's talking to Rafi, he's like, you're scary. I like that part. That was a good part. In, in the hallway. When they get to the table at the end, Worf's like, yeah, I've thought about sending you all severed heads, but then somebody told me that would be a bad idea. I like how it's like all the girls, the girls are hugging all the guys. I don't remember seeing Beverly hug Riker, but then again, she was shot and kind of damaged when they brought her over. She hugged Worf. He didn't like it. She hugged Jordy. No, she, she did. She hug Data. I don't I think, think so. Jordy hugged her. Yeah, Jordy hugged her. But I liked how when Deanna came in and she hugged Data, and then she just kind of looked at Jordy. He's like, "No, that's okay. <laughs> 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 I, don't, we, I don't need to hug you. We don't have to do this." <laughs> yeah, Worf and Raffy to the rescue. Yes, we called it. We said that they would come in. I did not call. I'll, oh, I wish I did. The fact that they had the cloaking device in the shuttle. That was a good call. That's a good. I like it. You have to admit, though, this also shows you what an amazing engineer journey is. The fact that he can move that cloaking device as quickly as he can. Well, it goes back to Scotty, right? In the original series where you had Scotty installing the cloaking device on the original Enterprise. Well, not only that, he also inf inflates his estimates by uh, three. A factor of four. See, now they can go back to the Romulan border and hide. It's like the Romulans do. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess the cloaking device kind of takes place of my plan to go back to the nebula and use all the baby juice to coat the starships. <laughs> <laughs> how did you do that space whale sperm <laughs> baby juice pretty much the crew around the table that was very nice to watch i can't remember in the movies how much we got that i know we had a couple of scenes like that along the way 
But it was really nice to see that probably one last time. I don't think we're going to see that again. Well, you saw it kind of all the time, but when you see it all the time, you didn't have all of them there all the time. Whoever just needed to be brought into it. But I think the last time you saw them all sitting together was the poker table at, at, all, at the end of All Good Things. I'm pretty sure that there were times in the movies where you saw them all around the table. Probably. Usually, though, at the beginning of the movie where they were discussing what it was that they were about to go into. Yeah. You know, I mean, the last time they were all together, I think, was at the wedding in Nemesis. Yes, because Riker and Troy went to the Titan at the end of that. Well, no, the wedding was at the beginning of Nemesis. But Nemesis was the last movie they made, right? Yes. yes. So at the end of that movie, Riker was relieved. And if remember, he did the whole speech, I relieve you of your command. And he took over and him and Troy went to the Titan at the end of Nemesis. Yes. One thing that I might have missed in Picard season one, I think it was alluded to the fact that Worf was the captain of the Enterprise E in Picard season one. Uh, that I don't know. That would actually kind of be a um, plot hole considering the fact that Worf's record had him never being allowed command of that nature again. Correct. Something would have had to happen along the way to allow him to be a captain. In the scenes, he is obviously wearing his uniform and he has four pips as a captain on his uniform. Correct. But you can be a captain and not necessarily command a ship in that fashion. Right. So I don't know what to believe because in season, I have to go back to Picard season one. And obviously he moves over to intelligence. At some point Obviously. in time. Which is a, is a good place for him. I also was conflating in my mind the Section 31 and Starfleet Intelligence. Back when TNG was going, it was one and the same thing. But eventually they split, where Section 31 became the darker, the covert action arm of Starfleet, where nobody really knew they were rogue. Nobody really knew what was going on. Starfleet Intelligence was still legit. So I was thinking that Worf was working for Section 31, but I think he might have been working for Starfleet Intelligence. Well, the, the other thing is, is that Section 31 was kind of the does it or doesn't it exist thing back in TNG and even in uh, Deep Space Nine. It's Disco that kind of took it mainstream. Disco, because wasn't it uh, first season, second, second. season, second season yeah. where the guy that. That was her boyfriend for a while, right? I can't even remember the name of all the characters at Disco. The guy with the black hair that was real tall that she wanted to be with, but... Turned out to be a reformed Klingon of some fashion yes. form or the other. He was married to one. Red Angel was about the only thing I really remember from Disco because it was a really, <laughs> really, really great plot. That storyline was really good. Really. And then it... So let's talk about the hanging threads in the plot that we have so far. The portal weapon is still out there. She released it. She ejected it. It's floating around somewhere in space. It was still there for somebody to pick up. And they never said that the Shrike picked it up again. So I'm thinking Sela is went by and picked it up and is going to be using it again. It's also just been kind of thrown out in deep space. I mean, it's not like anybody made specifically a record as to where it was thrown. And if it was made a record of it, it's blowed up on the Shrike. Yeah, there's no buoy to find it. Vatic could have told her handler that she had ejected it. True, but I, I think we're going to find out that the 
portal weapon was more of a MacGuffin than anything else. That that's kind of what they stole and used and played with in order to uh, distract them from what they were really doing. I don't think we're going back to the portal weapon. If anything else, Starfleet could go back. Not Starfleet, but Picard and company could go back and use it. That, on the other hand, would be interesting. But do they know that he dropped that? That she dropped. It's it like off? let's turn the car around. I don't think they knew. And when they go back, they can get some of that sperm juice. baby juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you might be right. That's gone. So we know that Hangar Twelve has been dropped. Do we? Yeah. I mean, hell, their uh, their ship's been pretty damaged. They they need a new one. Which is one of the other reasons why I don't know why they didn't just take the shrike yeah taking the shrike would have been something although maybe they would have been booby trapped they didn't have the codes for it or something can you imagine flying back into starfleet don't shoot don't shoot i don't know maybe they were just too pissed off you just waggle your wings didn't you ever (laughs) that's what you do you waggle your wings that's what i learned from battlestar galactica Blink the uh, the running lights in Morse code or something like that don't shoot don't shoot I'm not convinced you're going to see Sela or Sela. I keep saying I her name wrong. Because Denise Crosby was confirmed to be part of this, right? With that Is said, she, that she could have just gotten a credit for being in a hologram. <laughs> That's what to say. I mean, we kind of saw her a while ago. I mean, I don't know. She was not brought into any of the awards or the premieres. Because she, she also may be the big reveal at the end. Yeah, Paramount's playing it pretty tight uh, in the ready room. Will, at the end of the ready room this week, Will said, and I don't always watch the ready room. I watched the ready room because I wanted to see Brett Spiner because there's a whole bunch of controversy in the past about Brent and stuff. I'm like, okay, let's see what they have to say officially about it. It was interesting watching Will and Brent. It was the most uptight that I've seen Will in a long time. Will Wheaton, because he's the host there, and he was straddling a line with Brent pretty hard, but it did seem like the two of them were friends, but it was tough material for them to discuss. So anyway, at the end of the ready room, he said, I can't tell you who the guest is next week because they don't want me to do it. That tells me they're trying to keep this as the big reveal, whoever it is. And I bet you it's Denise Crosby. Okay. So if Denise Crosby is behind the red door saying, come open it. Why? What purpose would she need Jack for? Well, obviously, his ability to control people. How would she know about it? Well, the, that's the mystery. Yes. Think of mystery. Yeah, I have no idea. This is now in some realms where I could start wildly speculating and I'd get something right because I'd say like five different things and I'd be like, oh, look, I got this right. But no, <laughs> I don't think we're going to have any more of those where we get to predict it. Okay, we're going to find out that the whales that came back in... Oh, 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 no, 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 even better yet, Star Trek Four. The actual space whales are the ones that sent the probe <laughs> to Earth in the first place from Star Trek Four. The ones from the ocean? <laughs> Not exactly catching yeah. us at our best. <laughs> so we're going to find out that the real heroes are this, are the whales that were brought back in time, because they're going to communicate with the space whale sperm and get them to come and save the day. Sure. SP, you're the one who took me down this path. So st- Why not? It's his fault. It worked in Star Wars with Ezra. Baby juice. That's what I'm <laughs> Baby juice. Next time the kids ask me, oh, yes, it's a baby juice. So that I, 
laid some clues for us, one of which was all the voices. You want to be together with all the voices. And that brings me down the path of the Great Link. Well, that could actually go in one of two directions. You're right. That could be the Great Link. That's why he's feeling lonely. But it also, quite frankly, fits the Borg as well. Because anybody who's been, that's one of the things they talk about with anybody who's been born into the Borg who gets separated is the, the lack of voices, the loneliness. So that could go either way. That fits both storylines. Why can't Nick speak? Just hurry up and get here. I really don't want it to be the Borg. I've had enough of the Borg. Honestly, I have to. I, I, I hope I'm wrong because the Borg is an old story that's, we've got, it's like, it's, it, to me, it's weird. I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But it's weird that you've had the first season of Picard, which I, I wasn't a fan of. I didn't like the plot line at all there. And then you had the second season that has absolutely nothing to do with the third season. There's no connection other than we're bringing Rafi in seven. There's nothing. Well, the only thing that you could actually really kind of have it, and, and I agree with SP because we talked about this before. I hope they don't go this direction, which is to find out that Q did something to him. Q. Because Q has once again messed with the timeline. This isn't literally the exact same timeline that we started with. You know, because they've dropped the. uh, From the second season when he messed it. Yeah. Yeah. So did Q mess with something? I hope we don't go there because I agree with SP. We've sent Q off into the sunset, and I think his story has come to a good end. That's what I'm kind of saying with the Borg. I mean, you don't have any of these storylines that's bleeding over from the second season. So everything on Picard season three is all about the TNG people. But I hope it's a new foe because the Borg is kind of getting old. Well, not necessarily the Borg, but not necessarily even a new foe. Because really, quite frankly, this has to do with vengeance in some fashion, form or the other, which is why I'm I'm definitely all sold on uh, the idea of it being Sela because you need to go back into the Star Trek lore and find somebody who hates Picard and Starfleet enough to do this. And it's got to be an enemy from TNG. Yeah. And, and even though if he hadn't done it and though it was a different timeline, she'd have never been born. Sela still blames Picard for leaving her mother behind. And that brings up the point of I'm still scratching my head over why the portal weapon was targeting that specific Starfleet recruitment center. And it was because of the statue of the captain of the Enterprise C. <laughs> that actually would fit. I didn't think that. It brings it back around. Yeah. So if it's Sela, she wanted to destroy that because and blame the captain. Because if you wouldn't have gone back in time, then I wouldn't be in this predicament of course she wouldn't realize she'd be dead but if it's her and she's been working with the with with the the changelings all along i mean you go back to her saying to beverly he wasn't meant for you he wasn't created for you he wasn't born for you he wasn't put into he was meant to be put into me i don't know it just be crazy i don't know what it means the enemy of my enemy is my friend damn it so that's what I'm thinking is Sela and the Ooh. 10 changelings. Cause we know there's 10 modified assassin changelings. I think they're working together to go after a uh, federation and then anybody else that wants to go after them too. Like 
the Cardassians. Or maybe Jack was switched at birth and he was one of those 10. If you think about how many changelings they've killed at this point, I think we've seen the end of the changelings. There may be one or two more out there somewhere hiding, but that's really all we've got left. Well, you know you have the one that played Tuvik. Exactly. That's what I mean. I think we've got one or two more out there. Okay. And they could track them because of the... Yes, but I I think we're, somewhere along the line we'll get like one more that'll pop up that need or yeah. Watch the guest be Janeway and she's she's infiltrated. I think we're also going to get Janeway. Do you? I think we have to. Yeah, because she's been name dropped so much. But I think it's going to be the final episode as you go into Frontier Day. Well, it, to me, it makes sense because I, Gates McFadden has her own podcast. I don't know if you ever watched that or listened to it, but she just interviewed. Kate Bilgrew. So it was maybe a coincidence. I don't know. So Shannon, I have to ask you a question. Uh Oh, here we go. In this episode, (laughs) you got the term Imzadi, which means beloved. Right. You also have the term Yintaro, which means baby of immense size. So my question (laughs) for you is, is that your new nickname for Sean? I'd rather, I'd rather be Baby Chips. <laughs> yeah, Yintaro. Baby of immense size. Is that what you're going to call Sean? I am not. Nope. Once again, it brings us back down to our, our space whales. They were babies of immense sizes. There you go. Love juice. It's not going to happen, no. Breaker could get it on with a new set of aliens. <laughs> I will not be calling Sean that at all. <laughs> Maybe someone else. All right. Well, you guys have any last shots for this episode? I guess so many questions. I guess so many questions. Yes. The ending was, for all intents and purposes, cruelty to the audience. But, <laughs> telling you again, odd number of episodes, those are the good ones. So I saw it when I first woke up. I went, I raced through it because I was like, I need to watch this. And I got to the end and I knew Jake hadn't watched it yet. So I texted Jake and I said, Jake, just to let you know, you're going to be not liking the end of this. I believe my words were something like, you're going to be screaming more. And you did it. I was reading those texts. <laughs> so <laughs> Jake finished it off during the day while I was working in between breaks. And he texted back. He's like, no. Which I had to wait until after I got home from work. It was torture. We talked about it. If they if they had ended it like five minutes before. You know, having Deanna show up and say, we're going to we're going to work this out. You know, that was a good stopping point. They went a little bit further and just decided to torture the audience. They could have stopped. They could have stopped it whenever he reached for her hands. Terry Metalis is not my friend. That was mean. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps you coming back for more, though. I think we can praise Terry Metalis. He's done a really good job this season, and I. Whatever they, however they end it, I'm here for it. Well, there were some episodes that I didn't care for, like Disengage and No Win Scenario, Dominion. I think the first four episodes could have been consolidated to episodes. We talked about that before. This episode I did like. I still think Imposters with Admiral Rowe, which is what I'm going to call her. I know she's a commander. Admiral Rowe is a nickname from BSG. Posthumous promotion. Well, okay. So let's go with that. Anyway, Imposters is number one. Number two, 17 seconds, because that really brought us into the mindset of what was going on now. And then Surrender is my third favorite episode. So that's this episode that we're talking about. 
right here. I think I'm going to claim stroke victim because I can't even remember the name of the episodes. I remember watching them. I know it, but I can't. Hey, at least you have which. an excuse. At least you have an excuse. I, just I know, don't and it's a good one. It's like what my shirt's stroke victim, kind of empty, kind of running around empty. Yeah, my brain. Yeah, I, I, that's why I've written them out because I don't uh, remember he, them either. Okay. <laughs> so, imposters, seventeen seconds, surrender, the bounty, the next generation, which is the first. I'd say all of those are good, and then it gets into the eh, with no one scenario, dominion, and disengage. So go back to the ones you just named. The ones yeah. you like. Are they the odd numbers? So five, three, eight, six, one. Two of them are not. But most of them are. I'm telling you, odd numbers. Yeah, three of the five are, yeah. Just say. Next week, we have episode nine. I've learned its name is Vox, V-O-X. And then I have uncovered the title for the last one. You guys want to unveil it on this podcast or do we want to wait for next okay, week? Can I interject here? Yeah. Vox would be actually a very good Romulan name. Maybe we find out that's what Jack's name was supposed to have been. Hmm? Maybe he actually belonged to Sita. That would be nice to learn. Yep. I think we're going to get teased in the episode itself and we're not going to find out towards the end until the end of the episode. All right. Give us the title. Of the last one? Yeah. The last generation. So you can interpret it how you want. I am interpreting that as we have now witnessed the last generation of Picard. Or the kids of the last generation take over. Could have Jack, if he survives, and Sydney and LaForge's other kid, and Riker's daughter's got to be old enough by now. Well, even if he, even if he survives the storyline, Jack is not a Picard. He's a crusher. Even better. I mean, he's yeah. part Picard, but even better. Oh, speaking of crushers, real quick, and the last thing, and I'll, and I'll leave it be. Do you think in some storyline, somewhere along the line, we're going to get more of the Travelers? Or is was that just a, as I've said before, a MacGuffin? It was a one-off just to kind of say this is where he ended up and moved on from there. Will referenced that in the ready room this week. And like I said, I don't watch all of them, so I don't know if he's been talking about it along the way. But he referenced that he got conclusion last season. So I don't think he's coming back. But he's not the special guest. Yeah, if he comes back, then you got to bring Dodge back or whatever her name is now. So it's not just the android, the synthetic woman. Actually, no, she, she wasn't an android at that point in time. She was actually a... Oh, the girl. Okay. A, I was like, a gene clone. About? She was a, a, a proto-con. I was like, what the heck are you talking about? You're talking about the girl that Picard helped. Okay. It, the one from season two. That wasn't yes. a synthetic. She was actually a... AI. No, not even an AI. At that point in time, that version of her, of her was a proto-eugenics. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, I'm getting overly technical. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, I kind of wiped a lot of that episode of the season from my mind. coming to show up eventually. Think it's going to happen the last she episode? Was she was in the Shrike. She's don't, gone. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> say that to me. Here's your savior is that Sela has her on her ship. Somebody better come to the freaking rescue. I can honestly say it. She's a bad guy who was working with Sela the whole time. Maybe she's the bacon face the entire time. She's intelligent. She, was been, she has been intelligent the entire time. Just because I think she's cute and I would not like kick her out of anything. She could be a bad guy. She could have been babysitting Picard up to the point where Cello wanted to move. 
hey, the evil ones are always hot. Always, always. And crazy, too. I don't think I'd kick her out of bed, but, you know, I don't think I'd trust her. Maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're all waiting for next week with Vox, and we will get there. If you have, listener, any thoughts yourself, please let us know. You can tweet our lovely captain over there at Trek underscore worlds with an S. You can email me, StargatePioneer at gunnageek.com. And that would be the email to get a hold of me. And we look forward to what your theories are because we're running all over the place. It is all over the place because there's, uh, there's just so many questions at the moment. But I think we've gotten close on a lot of the, a lot of the predictions. Eventually. <laughs> it's t- Thomas Riker, he's coming back. No, Tom is not coming back. <laughs> if the space whales actually do come back, SP's gonna be over there screaming, I called it. <laughs> I'm either I either think that it's the Borg and it's in the DNA and it's not really a, a syndrome thing that the Picard has, or he actually wasn't a PG dish. And he was meant for some other person to be raised. Maybe he's a changeling. As far as the space whales go, if you go back and rewatch TNG, there are many bottle episodes that have creatures in space. So you guys are probably right. And that was just a one and done. They were just doing homages to some strange space phenomena that we never go back and see. Jack is either Borg or changeling. All right. Shannon has her theories out there. All right. That's it for me this week. See you guys next time. Bye. Yep. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of the Strange New Worlds Fancast P3 edition. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, you can find us at strangenewworlds.podbean.com for more podcasts on Strange New Worlds and the Picard final season. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up via email at strangenewworldsfancast at gmail.com or on Twitter at trek underscore worlds. We are a part of the Lone Wolf Podcast Network You can hear more of this cast and other shows like it by checking us out at lonewolfpodcasts.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. We shave. April 1st every year. Oh. Has nothing to do with April Fool's Day. It is literally a six-month date on the calendar and coincides with the fact that pollen gets nasty. So I tried to help myself by getting rid of pollen deposits right by my nasal cavity. Unfortunately, it doesn't work all that great, but it's a little, a little help and prevents the beard from becoming increasingly itchy for no reason whatsoever. Understandable. Last time mine got shaved off, my daughter was four. Uh, the dog hit me in the back of the legs while I was trying to trim my beard and I cut the bottom half of it off. So the only thing to do at that point was shave it off and grow it back. And, uh, my daughter cried. My father said, excuse me, my wife said I didn't look like the man that she married. And my brother in his utmost poeticness said that he felt like his eyes were bleeding. (laughs) 
so I'm not allowed to be beardless. One year, I had to go a few weeks into October because our daughter got married. She requested that I be beardless for the wedding. I was like, okay, I can do that. That's a worthwhile request. Yeah. The bride, (laughs) to prevent bridezilla moment, I was like, okay, sure. For me, it also covers up the third chin. Yeah. Galaxy class, right? (laughs) The galaxy class chin. Two or three years ago in Pride Month, my daughter went ahead and posted in Instagram that she was bisexual. Now, her mother and I already knew this, not to say that it was ever like like, spoken, but the funny part was when my father and my brother both called me within a half an hour of her posting going, is this okay? Is is everybody okay? Are we we, going to be okay? And it's kind of like... if. Finally, after trying to calm them down, I ended up telling both of them the same thing. I said, look, I've got two rules for who dates my daughter. Rule number one, they're good to her. Rule number two, I don't get made a grandfather anytime in the foreseeable future. So if she's dating women, that actually makes that real simple. Kind of hard to get knocked up when you don't have that extra part. That reminds me of that scene in the blind side when the Christmas card went out and the family started calling in. like. Y'all know that there's a <laughs> black man. kid in your Christmas picture. My father's college roommate, and they're still friends. He actually does live it down in Corpus Christi. Was actually at NASA for a while. He um, was one of the people in charge of safety who had to help investigate when Columbia exploded. I was in on that investigation. I remember watching it fly by my house at the time. Yeah, that must have been. Mm. I know they're still finding parts like in swamps and ponds and stuff like that. But yeah, I was involved in the, I'll send you the link to the stuff that I was doing. It's uh, AFRL, the Air Force Research Laboratory. I was involved with the uh, mobile diagnostic laboratory. We were doing uh, radar imaging of the space shuttles to determine the likely cause of, or the likely placement of the shuttle tiles that came loose during the ascent phase of the mission. We were very helpful in the investigation. I was involved in the return of flight. We put additional sensors and cameras on. NASA was very appreciative of our our help. But, you know, everybody makes, I won't say mistakes, but it's experience that you learn from in this whole thing, which with Starship about to launch next week, a week from uh, the 17th or so. Which one's that? Well, that's the big one down in Brownsville. Brownsville. Down Where, where's Chica. that one going? It's just an orbital test flight, but it's going to the moon. Oh, okay. Is that one of Elon Musk's? Yep. Musk's. <laughs> Musk's. <laughs> yeah, it's actually going to land on the moon. I'm watching a, a live stream of the YouTube. I'll send you guys a live stream. Those are the things he, he sends up that look like little condoms going up in the air. Pretty much. Yeah. They're not, it's, it's the biggest rocket ever, so it's not small. All right, you guys got this episode? Yeah, so the fact that I still say the same thing. Why did we stop there? A little bit, no, no, see, no, no, a little bit before. If they'd have stopped just a bit before, I wouldn't have freaked out, but they... Yeah, uh, they no. went all the way, yeah. And then they played a clip on the ready room, and that was still like, why did you stop there? 
on the other side of that, as someone who was uh, spent the week in a hotel right outside of D.C., field trip season sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, that's right. My nephew's going like next week. So, uh, you know, I had a couple people banging on my door asking if this was their room. And then I had how a, much you going to pay me? It could I be had, your room. I had, uh, in the process of complaining about it, uh, um, a, I went out to have drinks with a couple of physician assistants I work with on Wednesday night. I was complaining about it. And uh, the other thing I was talking about is that I had never recognized before that the chaperones put tape over the door so they can see whether or not anybody came out of the rooms in the middle of the night. And I'm sitting here trying. My statement really? was is that I was I was like, I'm going to look, see the ones with those tapes. And it's like four o'clock in the morning when I'm leaving for work, I'm going to be banging on their door. And actually, no, that's actually what somebody told me. So they're like, no, 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 just cut the tape. Yeah. <laughs> so I meant to say during the podcast that I was taking a look at the scenes in the credits at the end. I think I could be not correct, but I think that we only have two unexplained scenes so far in there. One is the um, space dock, the new space dock or space station or whatever that's called. Well, we'll probably see that when we get to frontier day. Right. And the other is that weird graphic. Those are the two scenes that we have left to explain. Yeah. Let's see if I can't find it. I know which one you're talking about. The one that kind of looks like some sort of field fuzzying something else out. Yeah. Predicted function, a cloud with a beam of some sort into what could be considered a door it's so weird okay so let me ask a question here because we've talked we've gone in circles so much there's so many questions we have if he opens the door and the visions that he keeps seeing it, it looks like a nuclear bomb had have has gone off and because all the stuff is flattening out you got to see that vision a little bit more when he first fell when him and seven when he got he, all the gas right remember that episode yeah. He, you got to see it looked like like houses or buildings were like just flattening and it looks like a nuclear bomb has gone off kind of well, the, the question the question is is that a prediction or a vision of a future or simply right. a piece or a symbolization of his fear of what might be on the other side of that door I mean, we, we've seen the trope in, in not necessarily here in Star Trek. I, I know maybe we have and maybe we haven't, but we've seen the trope in storytelling before. You've got all of that going on. And then the big reveal when they open the door is just something simple on the fear. other side. All right. So what are we looking at? This is an explosion on the, that's on the, uh, yeah, I've seen that, I but don't I don't know what it is. I think it's an explosion. I think it's an entity that is projecting some energy or a beam into some sort of orifice. It starts on the left. Yeah. Could be a weapon. Probably. Could be baby juice. I still think that somewhere along the line, Jack is there to either, is there as to use as a control of human beings using either some amalgamation of the great link that will now control solids or a, uh, something with to do with the Borg that will actually uh, control people who are not assimilated. So many questions. So in the ready room, and these are available now, online they show a 90 second clip of the next episode and in that 
it takes you a little bit further in the Deanna Jack Crusher line that you see at the end of this episode. And she refuses to tell him what she saw. She sees what's on the other side of the door. And then she is so frightened by it that she gets up and she runs out of the room. And Jack desperately wants to know what she saw. And she will not tell That's him. An- she gets up and runs out of the room that they're sitting in and holding hands at? Yeah. She takes her hands off of him and gets up startled and runs out of the room. Well, she's already said that there's a great darkness surrounding him. Unless we him. find out that he's the one that killed their son. I can't think of a reason why she'd run out like that. We have talked I about mean, Thaddeus many, many times. the end of the universe. Oh, Thaddeus could have also have been a subject. We've talked about Thaddeus a lot. See, that question mark just went off, right? No, I, I, I think the whole Thaddeus thing is, is just there to give Riker and Troy a sense of loss. What can make her run out of the room so much? So where, where'd you once, see that? Once, you... once again, the end of the universe. Um, you it's available on, on YouTube, but hold on. Well, she said the evil's all around him, but he wasn't evil. Well, yeah, but that being said, that doesn't mean he's not necessarily the tool of evil. I don't know. So it, she was scared of him, though, right? Oh, yeah. She was, well, not of him necessarily. Of what she saw. Yeah. I'm going to drop this in the chat. It's in the private chat. There you go. If something eats her, I'm going to be pissed. No, that was pretty cool. She's just getting to the door on my part. But the whole thing of what are the Vines connections, that kind of unfortunately, it goes back to even the same thing. It's either a great link or org or something of that nature. It's If it's not one of those two, it's something of that nature. I'd hate for it to be something that is completely out of left field at this point. Okay, that was cool. Yeah. And she totally ditched him. She promised she wouldn't. So it didn't give us any more than we had at the end of this episode. Really. I think I'm more inclined to go with the idea that it's actually something to do with the group. Well, maybe it is. You see, you go back and forth. Because no, I, I think what you're going to find out is that Isel is trying to control things or something of that nature. That somewhere along the line, Jack is meant as a control node for humans and solids and whatever. Maybe in the process of talking to the changelings and figuring out about the Great Link and then knowing about Picard's history, Sella kind of put two and two together and figured out that maybe something that he had with the board could mail per make Jack and Medicine. the idea of being able to control. I, I think we're going to find like a combination of the two. I don't know. It's freaking me out. It just what is the link between all three of them? The, the Borg, the changelings, Sella. I mean, that's, well, she's... The, the changelings and the Borg have a collective intelligence. The difference being is the fact that the changelings can separate themselves out of it and then go back. So the idea is somewhere along the line, somebody trying to create something similar for nefarious reasons. See, like my whole thing of thinking the Borg, because even Picard well, can hear but, the Borg many, many years. But, but even if you have whoever the big bad is who, through the process of communicating with the changelings, figures out about the Great Link, they had to figure out how to do it. And maybe the idea that Picard was once Borg, not only that, but you know, not quite Queen Bee, but you know, at the high end of the Borg, that somewhere along the line, they decided that he had control stuff in his brain that they could actually take and use somewhere else along the line. 
that might be overcomplicated, but. I hope we get to the end. We have that big aha moment. What, what we need is a big villain monologue at this point. <laughs> we almost got it with Vatic. Almost, but they launched out the airlock first. I like it when you did you see you notice that whenever she broke apart, her face came flying towards the camera. I was wondering with changelings and that goo, if they brought all the parts inside a ship and then defrosted it and then let it all come together, if she would really be dead. Interesting question. I don't know. Speaking of goo, you still have the changeling that seven shot and then the bacon went up into the into the ship. Remember that? So if you count 10, that's one on the ship still somewhere. I think, no, I think that they got that one. She shot him and then he turned into goo. And then that goo, that bacon goo went up into the side of the wall and it went into, into the air ducts. It became Ensign or a Lieutenant LaForge and they killed it in the oh, engineering that's right. room. That's right. That's right. They called her commander. Okay, guys, I, I unfortunately have to bail. Okay. See you guys Me next too. week. Have, I got a house for a girls. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Energize.